0: Good morning, everybody. Let's all stand together. We welcome you that are watching online as we gather together to worship the Lord together. And we trust God's presence will be here in a powerful way to minister to every single person. You know, we can have words, we can have songs, but there's something about the anointing of God that brings a impact of those words and those songs into our lives. And so that's what we desperately need. And, you know, Jesus said that if we gather together in his name, he's in our midst. So that means we're gathered together around the name of Jesus and he's here. And so you just don't know what's going to happen when he's here. Amen. And so I just want to encourage you to have your expectancy on to get ready to receive from the Lord this morning. Um, You know, we're, we're coming. We hear we hear songs. We we listen to worship. We hear a sermon, a great sermon. And then, and then, but, but in the final analysis, you're a little slow on that one. I don't know. Maybe you're not awake yet. But, anyways, the final analysis what we need is we need God's Spirit. And, um, and, and we're so thankful that we have a promise that He lives inside of us. He talks about Him being in us, He talks about Him being for us. And, he, and, and so it's so important that we just embrace those promises that he is here with us today. So let's pray. Lord, thank you that we can gather around the name of Jesus. We're so thankful, Lord, that you came to the earth and died for us. We thank you that you're a good God, that you care so much about us. And so, Lord, we want to express thanksgiving and praise to you today for all that you've done for us, for redemption, for shedding your blood on the cross, for the remission of our sins, so that we could be your children, children of the Most High God, so that we could be accepted, that we could be crowned with your, with your presence, with your glory and your honor, Lord. We just thank you for that. And we just pray, God, that there would come such a, a breath, a of, of, of force, a breath of your spirit in this place, that something would quicken and come alive inside of every single one of us, that we would never be the same again as we leave this place today. And we're so thankful. We trust you, Lord, in all things. And we thank you, God, for what you've done. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. 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 Praise God.
1: everything So... You have our full attention You have the final say Let's sing there's resurrection power There's resurrection power Your blood runs through us. this is
2: Home. Oh. David when he said and then I walked into the sanctuary and I just feel such encouragement in this room today strength this morning it says those that wait on the Lord your strength will be renewed like an eagle come on I feel such encouragement in this room this morning tote filling hearts, the clouds kind of rolling about. Their crowns before the Lamb of God and sing. You are.
1: up here to encourage you guys because recently there's a lot of fear going on in this world and that's not what's important I just want to come up here and remind you guys what God has reminded me of and that no matter what's going on in this world he reigns above it all he's above everything and our fear there is no fear in him he gives us peace love and sound mind and I just wanted to come encourage you guys because that's all it is no matter what goes on he sits on the throne and every knee has to bow to him that's what's it about what that's what's it about and we already know that. And I just want to encourage you to not lose faith because that's the one thing he doesn't want you to do is lose faith in the fear that's going on. To just look on him and him alone because he's what's going to get us through this. Yeah. Nothing else. So I just wanted to give an encouraging word and that's what was on my heart. And now I hopefully it, in, it hits your heart because it's hit mine.
0: Praise God. God's good. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful to be serving Jesus, be a follower of Jesus, and be uh, connected to Him so His life flows into us? That's awesome. Praise God. Well, turn to somebody, smile, give them a, give them a wave, and tell them you, you think they're awesome. You may be seated. Well, we want to receive an offering this morning, a tithes and offering. We've got a bucket up front here on both sides, if you have a desire to give. This would be a good time to write out your check to Destiny, Destiny Church. Or if you're giving cash, there are some envelopes up there. You can just grab one, give a cash. So, um, But um, I do want to do one thing before I, I start preaching this morning. And that is I want to pray for our nation and uh, what's going on. Everybody, I'm sure, is well aware of what's taking place. And, um, you know, there's, boy, I tell you. The internet or what? What are some of those social media sites? Wow, are they on fire? And uh, there's all this stuff going on, battering back and forth. And after a while, I just go, ay, ay, I just can't keep watching it. And um, and I, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. But um, like we we just saying, He reigns above it all. And what we want more than anything is we want God's kingdom to come, <clears throat> His will to be done. Amen. And um, most of us here probably know what that is, <laughs> right? But we do want God's will to be done. Amen. Amen. And so um, let's all stand up one time, one more time. I know I'm going to get you doing the aerobics. And let's pray for this election and uh, just focus on, uh, you know, just the, the will of God being done, the kingdom of God coming. And uh, whatever is going on, Lord, God, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus that whatever's going on, if there is any corruption or whatever is going on, Lord, we just pray that you expose it now in Jesus' name, that you uncover, you said that you you uncover the unfruitful works of darkness. And Lord, we just pray that you do that now. And uh, Lord, that we just pray in this election that your will will be done, your kingdom will come. And Lord, we just trust you. Our eyes are on you. We, we have great expectation that your plans and purposes for this nation will not be thwarted, but that they will advance and go forward, Lord. We just thank you, Lord. We just commit this election and this nation into your hands. And we trust you, Lord, that as we humble ourselves and pray for it, Lord, you would heal our land. And we just thank you for doing that now. And we just agree together in prayer. And everybody that agrees, say amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> this morning, if you want to bring your offering, go right ahead. This morning, while I'm talking here, this morning, I, I was thinking, this is what I had in my mind. I thought, I need to bring a message of encouragement, a message of faith, a message of hope. And um, the harder I tried to get that kind of a message, it just didn't seem to work out. And the only thing that would speak to me is out of the Beatitudes. And uh, I was looking at the Beatitudes and... And I was thinking, now, um, I don't preach much on these things. But as I looked at it, the more I looked at it, it seemed like it would speak to me. And uh, I just want to go through here and talk about three of the first three Beatitudes in the Bible. But before I do, I want you to look at a verse that is well known. And this, this verse is right after the Beatitudes. There's the Beatitudes and then there's this verse. And most of us have heard it. It's almost like a colloquial term. It's found in verse 13. It says, "You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is then for good for nothing, but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men? You are the light of the world. A city on the hill, a city set on a hill, cannot be hid. Neither do the men light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on the stand, and shineth unto all that are in the house. Even so, let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven." So here's, what, here's the deal. Right after he gives the eight beatitudes, you know, it starts out with blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the, um, what's to say? Oh, blessed are the, more, the those that mourn. Blessed are the, uh, the meek. Right after he goes through all eight of them, then he says, you are the salt of the earth. And all of a sudden, it started to, I started thinking about this, that maybe, maybe uh, he was saying that when you develop these eight attributes, and you can't develop them on your own. The Holy Spirit develops them through you. When you develop these eight attributes, then you become the salt of the earth. It's not just automatically because I'm a Christian, I'm the salt of the earth. Because how many know that there are Christians that don't live great lives? How many know there's Christians that are really, uh, you know, you go, please don't call yourself a Christian. You're giving us all a bad reputation. You know, I mean, you don't want to say that, but I mean, there, there are Christians that are, wow, that. That that was ugly, you know. I mean, that's kind of how you feel. And, and so, what he's saying here is that if you, as as you allow, because this is a work of the Holy Spirit, because the third the third beatitude is uh, meekness, and and meekness is in, in Galatians chapter five is a fruit of the Spirit. So this is not something I, you know, you can develop on your own. This is something that the Holy Spirit has. You got to cooperate, but the Holy Spirit is actually working. If you recognize this, you'll discover the Holy Spirit is actually trying to work these attributes, these attitudes in your life. That's what I'm trying to say. And so so I want to go through here and look at this. You know, first of all, the word beatitude, I looked it up one time and I couldn't find it again, but I remember years ago I looked it up and the word beatitude means attitude be. It's kind of a hard one, you know, it's like Uh, You know, like uh, delightful. What does delightful means? Full of delight. I mean, it's not real hard. It's like attitude B. In other words, have these attitudes. And what's interesting about this is that it starts out by saying, and several of these Beatitudes start this way. It starts out by saying blessed. And then the next thing that comes seems like something negative. Like the first one says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, if you don't know anything about being poor, being poor is not great. In fact, nowhere in the Bible does it say being poor is wonderful. You know, in fact, if you look at Matthew 28, or not Matthew 20, but uh, Deuteronomy 28, uh, what it says is that it talks about the curses and the blessings. And the blessings is not, you don't find blessing and then you find poor there. It doesn't exist. It's actually in the category of cursings because you'll bring much into the field and you won't get much out. And so it's actually a part of the curse. And so and even our own government, you know, years ago, I think it was in 1964, Lyndon Johnson declared a war on poverty because they thought that poverty was the biggest contributor to a lot of crime and a lot of uh, negative things in our society. So they even recognized that poverty is a bad thing. It's not good, no matter where you go. I mean, I've gone to foreign countries and third world countries and you see the poverty and you go, this is not good. Nobody would say, well, this is a blessing. Nobody would say that. It's a bad thing. It's it's a terrible thing. And that's why the blessing of the Lord is that God will cause us to always have sufficiency in everything and then have an abundance to give to every good work. That's the promise of God's word. And so poverty is never good. But notice what it says. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He does not say poor in pocketbook or poor in finances, but blessed are the poor in spirit. He said, if you are poor in spirit this morning, you are blessed. And I started thinking about that. You know, that really is the sinner's first response to God is to recognize I am in tremendous need. That's the sinner's first response to God. You think about Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. Remember, you know, he gets his father's inheritance. He goes off and he starts to live a riotous life. And then he ends up in the pig pen, which to Jews... Pig pins, you can't, there's not a worse animal on the earth than a pig to a Jew. And so he's in the pig pen feeding the pigs and he wants to eat the pig food. This is the lowest you can get. And it says that he comes to himself. That's an awesome point right there. He comes to himself and he recognizes this isn't what I was you know, made to do. There's something, I am lacking something. There's something I am missing. This is not the way life should be. And he says, and then he says, I will go to my father. And so, you know, we, we, we say that's the sinner's first response to God. But you don't know something that every single one of us, because Jesus said, blessed, blessed. Every single one of us at times need to come to this point in our Christian life. where we say, I, I need to, I, I have a need. I have a need. Because one thing about being poor I think being poor is one of the most helpless feelings because you can't borrow money. No one's going to borrow you money. You, you can't go to your bank account and draw out some money because you don't have a bank account. I mean, basically, it's a kind of a dead end. It's a dead end uh, feeling uh, a situation where there's no answers. And you all you can do is look to one thing or one per, uh, person to meet that need. And that's a good place to be where you say, God, I need you. God, I need I need you. God, I need you in my life. God, I can't take another step without you. God, I need to be connected to you. God, I need your life flowing in me. God, I need, I need, I need you. That's a great place to be. Because when you're, when you're poor, you know, I don't know, I've been to several, like I said, several foreign countries. One time I was in, and if you ever meet an aggressive beggar, they're amazing people. Because they don't take no for an answer. I'm not kidding you. I, I was in Vietnam one time, and I was um, on the street. We were waiting for, um, so many people were looking. We're a big group of people, and some people were looking at some knickknacks. And uh, so I was standing there on the street, and so this little Vietnamese girl came up to me, and she, I don't know, shes about 10 or something. She was real cute. And she came up to me, and she goes, she wanted me to buy some. How many remember what chiclets are? Remember those gum square gums? She had a package of chiclets and they looked like they had been in somebody's basement in a box, you know, uh, for years. And she dug them out and she goes, they're all they all look moldy and wet and, you know, like, ugh." And she goes, she she wanted me me to buy it from her. And she goes, one dollar. And I'm looking at him going, I don't want them. I mean, if I bought them, I'd throw them away. I mean, I wouldn't dare eat them, you know. So I go, no, I don't don't want them. And so she goes, no, she kept pushing, just obnoxious, just kept pushing me and pushing me. Come on, come on. She'd go, why not, why not? And she, I'd turn away from her. She'd come around and talk, why not, why not? She just kept on and on. Finally, I just sort of walked away. She came over and she, I had a short sleeve shirt on, because we Vietnam's very hot. She came over and started pulling the hairs on my arm. I go, ouch, what you little know, brat, you know, I, you know, <clears throat> what's wrong with you? you know, that, that's kind of, but she just so obnoxious, I think I actually finally gave her a doll. You know what I did was I waited until the van came. And then I said, because I didn't want to give her a dollar and then have her come back or have her friends come back. So I waited until the van came and I gave her a dollar Said, you can keep it. I just left. But but that's how they are. That's how when, when they beggarly, which is another word for this poor in spirit, beggarly, beggarly people are very, very persistent. They're very persistent. They're almost to the point of obnoxious. And Jesus said, if you can get to that point, if you allow, now listen, if you allow the Holy Spirit to bring you to that point, where you are beggarly in spirit. He goes, "You're blessed. You're not blessed if you if you say, 'Well, you know, I'm I I, I got everything I need. You know, I'm I, you know I'm i I'm, I'm a Christian. You know, I got saved when I was you know I got saved 50 years ago. I've been spirit filled. I'm okay. You know, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm I'm fine. When you have that attitude, that's that's not a blessed attitude. How many can see that? You know, Smith Wigglesworth made a statement. He said, he said." I'm, I'm satisfied with a dissatisfaction that needs to be satisfied again and again. He says, I'm satisfied with a dissatisfaction that needs, to be, that needs to be satisfied again and again. So in other words, what he's saying is, I'm satisfied with dissatisfaction. If you're satisfied, it's not a blessed place. Some people say, well, you know, the Bible tells us to be content in whatever state we're in. But if you read the context of that, Paul's talking about natural things. He's talking about possessions. He's talking about things. He goes, I'm content with things. I'm content with abundance. I'm content with with shortages. I'm content in every state I'm in. I'm content. But we're never called to be content about spiritual things. Spiritual things are designed in such a way that if you don't pursue them, you'll never, dis- you'll never find them, you'll never discover them. There's like a built-in thing about, around spiritual things that you have to pursue them. If you don't pursue them, you'll never experience them. So that's why Jesus said the very first thing, the starting point, the very first beatitude, here's the starting point. If you can have a poverty of spirit, a beggarliness of spirit, you're blessed. Because yours is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven will open up to you. Everything that God has ever designed for you to have will open up to you. Because that's one of the things Paul said. He said, said, this one thing I do. This one thing I do. One thing I do. I forget what's behind and I press toward what's ahead. I press toward what's ahead. He was always in a state of pressing toward what's ahead. And so... That's the starting point. That starting point is blessed are the poor in spirit. To have poverty of spirit is actually a wonderful, wonderful place to be. It's all awesome to recognize I need thee every hour. The journey's too great for me. I need you every single hour of the day. I need you. I can't make it without you. I can't live. I can't exist in a situation where my Christianity is on pilot. I need you every hour. And so that's one thing we learn about salvation, that we can't save ourselves and that we need to have a vital, vital relationship with Jesus. Amen. So that's the first one. The blessed are the poor in spirit. The second one uh, is blessed are those who mourn. Now, here's again, we get this thing. Mourning. I don't look at mourning as a good thing. I mean, think mourning is a good thing. I mean, that's not a good thing. What are you doing? I'm mourning. I mean, that's to me, mourning stinks. Right, I mean, usually when you think about mourning, you think about losing a loved one. You know, like I lost my dad a year and a half ago. I lost my mom about five and a half years ago. And and I think about them sometimes. I go, I kind of miss them. You know, I'm not like in mourning right now, but I was in mourning after they passed away. And I don't, I don't think I didn't. I wasn't walking around in mourning, going, Ma, this I'm blessed. I mean, I was blessed to have great parents and I was blessed to have a good relationship with them. But I wasn't walking around going, oh, man, this is awesome to be in this state of mourning. No one would think that. No one would think blessed are those who mourn. But I don't think he's talking about uh, losing a loved one. There is something, uh, you know, sin is related to mourning. Sin is related to mourning. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Some of you heard Charles Finney. And Charles Finney Services, they had these interesting things that went on where they would have like a more. They call it a morning bench. And what would happen is that when people would come under conviction of sin. They would get up, walk up and sit on the morning bench. And sometimes they would start to mourn over their sins. And this, if you read Charles Finney's autobiography, sometimes it was hard for him to preach because the people were mourning so much over their sin. Isn't that interesting? And he said, blessed are those that mourn. I think he's talking about our sin. And most people don't don't associate, you know, we, we sometimes think that sin's not a big deal, but sin actually, the Bible tells us that sin destroys the soul. And so it's a wonderful place to be when you can actually feel something about sin that you commit. Preach, Steve, I believe I will. When I, when I do things, I, I know this isn't right, and I can actually feel a prick in my conscience. This isn't right, what you're doing right now is not right. You know, I, um, I was telling my wife this one time. I said, you know, I tell a lot of stories. And uh, one of my problems with all my stories is sometimes I exaggerate. I mean, basically, the story's good. It's true. Everything about it's true, except I always, I'll always i add a little flair to it. I know you guys don't do that. I mean, you guys are just all holy. And every once in a while, you know what I used to do is I used to correct myself. As soon as I added a flair to it, I would correct myself. And I kind of got away from that after a while where I, would, where I would say things and I knew it wasn't, I knew it wasn't, I mean, there was a little, why did I, I'm mean, going, why did I add that? Didn't even add anything to the story. It just slipped out, you know, it just popped out. And, and what happens is, after a while, you know, those type of things start to affect your conscience. And your conscience is the place that you hear from God, that you receive your messages from God. And so, if your conscience, that's why Paul said, the goal of our instruction is love out of a pure heart. Uh, a, a good conscience and genuine faith. And so he, Paul said, I've, I've always maintained a good, clear conscience before God and man. And so Paul was diligent to keep his conscience clear and to have a good conscience before God and man. And so sometimes if we can just go on where Jesus said, blessed are those that mourn, it says they shall be comforted. If we can get to the point where you know we feel a sense of this isn't right, Lord. What I'm doing, what I'm what I'm saying, I'm having I'm having bad feelings towards somebody or I'm having I'm having wrong uh, images in my mind or I'm 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 not I'm not, uh, you know, doing the right thing at work. I'm you know, maybe uh, cheating on time cards or what, you know, whatever it is. I'm not telling the truth. I'm lying. I'm cheating. And, and we can do those things without a sense of this is wrong. That's a bad place to be. Because what happens to you is that it shows up in your ability to hear from God. It shows up in your ability to receive from God. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 19. This is the Apostle Paul talking. And he says to the Christians that, that we shouldn't live like, this, that, like the Gentiles who don't know God. And then he goes through this long list of things that the Gentiles, uh, characteristics of the Gentiles that he says that Christians shouldn't live like. And he says this, he says, being past, notice he used that phrase, being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Notice he said they're past feeling. In other words, they can't can't feel a sense of, of the Holy Spirit's conviction upon some aspect of their lives. They can't feel it anymore. They're past feeling. In other words, they can steal, they can rob, they can do all these things, and they don't feel anything about it. Well, Jesus said, blessed are those that mourn. In other words, blessed are those that can feel a sense that this isn't right. What I'm doing is not right. Because what what is the outcome? He said they will be comforted. What's the comfort they receive? Well, it's awesome when you're forgiven. And we had a Stan Belgard wrote a song one time where it says, "Sure, it feels great," or something like that. It feels great to be forgiven. Feels great to be forgiven. Wow, wow, what happens is all the guilt, all the shame, all that is removed away from us. And we all of a sudden, blessed are those that mourn. They'll be comforted. They'll be comforted. It's going to be okay. You're with me now. You're you're in my kingdom. You're in my family now. You know, it says here in Proverbs chapter 30, uh, it says, I, I thought this verse was interesting. It said, so it is the way of the adulterous woman she eateth or devoureth with her mouth, wipes her mouth, and says, I have done no wickedness. And so that's, that's the point that I'm saying is that they don't have any sense of the fear of God. They have no sense of this is not right. How many can see what I'm saying? So when the Holy Spirit comes, he, he, he will put, put things on our hearts. And one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to show us uh, where we're missing it. So the first thing is, The Holy Spirit shows us our great need, poverty of spirit. The second thing, the Holy Spirit shows us what it is, the specific things that it is that we're doing that are harming our relationship with God. There's another verse here. Look at this one, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. It says, For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Notice he compares the two types of sorrow. Godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. The sorrow of the world produces death. So it's awesome when we have godly sorrow. Now that we feel like, oh, I've really missed it. I didn't do the right thing. And, and we have godly sorrow because what that leads to is that leads to repentance. Amen. Isn't that good news? And so blessed, Jesus again said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You know, it's a wonderful thing to be comforted because you've come to that place where God, there's, there's nothing that I haven't surrendered, uh, nothing I haven't brought or exposed to the light of your word. So that's, the, that's blessed are those who mourn. Okay, so the next one, the last one here, are we doing okay with time? We don't care about time, right? Just keep going, Steve. Say that. Keep going, Steve. All right. Okay, I only got one more. Say so, so the third one here is, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now again, bless and meek. When you think about meek, nobody likes meek. You know, meek is weak. You know, a meek guy is a guy that walks around, and he doesn't have a backbone, people push on him, knock him down, push his face in the mud, step on him, kick him around, right? That's what meekness is, right? But here Jesus said, blessed are the meek. We have to have a new definition of what meek is. Meek is, not, meek is not weakness. It's not being a doormat for bullies. Meekness has to do with surrender. Let me just say that again. Meekness has to do with surrender or yieldedness. And I'm talking about being surrendered to God. Because you can see there's a progression here. First is poor in spirit. I have an awakening to my need. Then I understand what it is that separates me from God, my sin. And then the third thing is, when I, get that, when I get that taken care of, it brings me to a yieldedness, where I yield my life to God. How many know that it's important? And this is something, like I said, this is something the Holy Spirit works in our lives. See, sometimes, you know, when the Holy Spirit's trying to do something, if we don't, if we don't see it in Scripture, we're wondering, what's going on here? What is the Holy Spirit trying to do? I don't don't understand what's happening. And the Holy Spirit is trying to bring meekness into our lives. So, So meekness has to do with surrender. It has to do with being yielded, saying yes to God and His will. They say that meekness is strength under control. It means to be easily entreated. In the Bible, there's two people that are spoken of as being meek. You know who they are? Moses and Jesus. Those are the two people the Bible gives that calls meek. In fact, Moses wrote this. He said, Moses was the meekest man on earth. And he's the one that wrote that. It's almost like saying, Steve's the most awesome person that has ever walked the face of the earth. He is awesome in so many ways. You know, It's like, really? Are you supposed to say that? It's like the guy that won the badge for being humble and he wore it. You know, They had to take it away, take their award away because he wore the badge. But meek, meekness means that It's strength. Because when you think about Moses, Moses wasn't like a pushover. Remember that one story where this is before when he was still Pharaoh's son. It says that he went and visited his brethren and he saw a taskmaster with very, very cruel people was beating one of the Israelites. And it says that Moses looked this way and looked that way. Then he went over and killed killed the taskmaster. This is one meek guy, man. He went over there and killed him and buried his body in the sand, you know. And he thought, well, uh, you know, so it doesn't, it doesn't mean that he's a not mean that he's a weak person. But it meant that he had he had strength, but it was under control. Doesn't that make sense? And so so when we see an angry person, we sometimes think, wow, that person is strong, but actually that's a sign of weakness because you're out of control. So the opposite of meekness is this, is to be self-willed or to be defiant, to fight, argue, defend yourselves, to be self-righteous, abusive, or arrogant. That's the opposite of meekness. Meekness, now listen to this phrase. Meekness is a magnet that attracts God's favor. Because the Bible says that God gives grace to the humble. Grace and meekness are very closely associated. So God gives grace to the humble. What happens, a a, a meek person, a true meekness is a magnet that attracts God's favor. Amen? Meekness and lowliness of mind are connected. So the personality of Jesus was that he was meek and lowly of heart. It says that in Matthew. Let's look at this verse, Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. The personality of Jesus. You know, some people will wonder, what, he, what was he like? It says that he was meek and lowly of heart. Look at Matthew 11, verse 29. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls. So he says, he says, take my yoke. Of, in other words, become yoked to me and learn from me. What will we learn when, we, when we're yoked to him? We'll learn that he is meek and lowly of heart. That's what we're going to learn when we're, when we're yoked to him. We're yoked to Jesus. What will we learn? We'll learn that he is meek and lowly of heart. Amen. And so... Um, And then he said, we'll find rest for our souls. And so here again, the Holy Spirit is trying to bring us to a point of being yielded to him. And so let me just recap this real quickly, and then we'll bring this to a close. So what is he saying? He's saying that, first of all, that people have to develop these Beatitudes. When I say people have to develop them, I mean, we can't develop them without the Holy Spirit. Because these are things the Holy Spirit seeks to work into our lives. The Holy Spirit seeks to work into our lives um, these qualities, these beatitudes. And, and so what we have to cooperate. I mean, he's not going to, you're going to be sitting there one day and all of a sudden he's going to pick you up, grab you, throw you down on the ground and start making you uh, poor in spirit. That's not going to happen. But what's going to happen is that as we recognize, you know, I think God's drawing me, the Holy Spirit is drawing me to a place of, de- of total dependency where I have a need where I'm not like, I'm okay. You know, there's, a, there's a verse in Revelations where the church said, I, I am rich, I'm full, I have need of nothing. And God says, no, you're not. You're this, you're that. He says, you're, they didn't see their condition. And so it's awesome when the Holy Spirit says, there is a definite disconnect from where you are and where you should be. That's an awesome place to be. And then we understand what it is that separates us. Uh, And that has to do with our sin and mourning over our sin. And the third thing is that God develops in us a a sense where we're yielded, where we become yielded to his will, where, where he isn't. We're not fighting for mastery over our life, but we're yielded to him. Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it or die trying. It's like Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was the very first time that ever out of his words were uttered, Uh, Lord, I don't want to do this. Not my will. If there's any way out of this, if there's another way, there was a battle of wills going on in the garden because Jesus didn't want to. Embrace the suffering and to drink the bitter cup. But it says, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That That is a action of a meek person, that meek person where he surrenders, where he submits himself to the will of God. And so, where is all this leading? Where is all this leading? The Holy Spirit is bringing us to a point where we develop these beatitudes, where we develop these attitudes in our lives. What happens is um, we become salt and light. Amen? Let's all stand together. I want us to pray together before, as the worship team comes and they're going to lead us in a song. But I want us to pray together. And uh, I want us to see something. Uh, You know, the Holy Spirit is is absolutely wonderful. How many would agree with that? He's awesome. And uh, he leads us into all truth. And if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Every Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of them. This is water, by the way. You're wondering, where do you get this sermon? What's in that bottle? What's in that can? It's water. But if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And um, he, he, the Bible says that he leads us into all truth. You know, God desires our lives to be so blessed. And he wants, really, I mean, when you look at our American society... This is one of the things that was kind of stirring inside of me. Would you look at American society and you go, what's going on? Do you ever think that way? What's going on? I mean, are we just going to fly away and get out of here? Or is this going to keep getting worse and worse? Or is, 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 salt, is salt something that, that reacts against decay? That's what salt was used for. It reacted against decay. It's like, because we are here, this thing should not go to hell in a handbasket because we are here. It should not go this way because we are here. We're salt. We're salt. We're, 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 we're supposed to infiltrate every segment of society. And we're supposed to be there and say, no, this is not going to go down the tubes. No way. No way. As long as we're here, it's not going to go that way. But notice he said, But if the salt has lost its savor. So it's possible that salt could lose its savor. That's what made me start thinking about these beatitudes. I started thinking, if we don't have these attitudes, these attributes that he's talking about here, is it it the case that the salt has lost its savor? Is it the case? And I don't know. It seems to me like it could be very well. So I want us to just to pray. And I don't, I don't like sermons. I actually don't like sermons. These, this is not my favorite sermon. Okay. I'm not like, wow, I'm glad I preached that. Glory to God. I'm just like, let's get this over with. Try, reload, try again next week. You know what I mean? That, that's how I feel. You know? I, really, I'm telling you the truth. That's how I feel. But I just kept, no matter how I tried to go another way, it came back to this. Because I'm wondering, see, I'm wondering in my head, I want to just scream right now. It shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't go this way. Something should be different. And you know before we took our break, I talked about I talked about the disunity in the church. And I come on, come, let's be real. Are you kidding me? I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church. I mean, we've been praying for nine months that this virus would die. What's going on? We've been praying for this election for months. What's going on? You see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be the the guy that, you know, you know, Debbie the Downer. You know, if your name's Debbie, I'm sorry about that, but it, it, just, it just rhymes, you know, Debbie. I used to say, uh, I used to say, uh, We beat the Baptist to the buffet, and some Baptist wrote me a letter and was offended by it. I said said Baptist because it rhymes with buffet. I mean, I wasn't picking on the Baptist. I mean, so if your name's Debbie, sorry. But, But what I'm trying to say is, I'm not trying to be a downer, but I'm just saying, come on. There is something going on. It shouldn't be this way. And I'm just, I am just want, Holy Ghost, come on, Holy Ghost. We are salt and light. That's our, that's our calling. Whatever it is that is, there's a disconnect somewhere. Holy Ghost, show us right now. So would you be willing to pray that with me? So Lord, we just bow our heads right now and we just pray. We thank you that we've been called to a high calling. We've been called to greatness. We've been called to rule and reign with Christ. We've been called to, to inherit nations. We've been called to take dominion. We've been called to rule and reign with you, Lord. We are, we are spiritually seated with you in heavenly places, Lord. We're far above all Lord, all kingdoms, all principality, all powers. That's where we are, Lord. That's where we are legally before you, God. But Lord, let our soul begin to ascend Let our soul begin to ascend. Let it not be earthbound any longer, but let our soul begin to ascend to our place of being seated with you in heavenly places. Let our soul begin to ascend like never before. Let our thoughts and our feelings begin to ascend, Lord, like never before to the place that you've called us to. Hallelujah. Lord, if there's anything, God, we just open up our hearts right now. If there's anything that is, is keeping us back, Lord, there's anything that's hindering us. And these three Beatitudes, Lord, there's anything that's hindering us. Right now, we pray, God, that you'd show us. Speak to our hearts right now, Lord. We yield ourselves to you. We open up our, ourselves to you. Word of God, you are, you, are the, you are the one that discerns the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Lord, discern our thoughts and intents right now, Lord. We just pray in Jesus' name. Reveal it to us, God. We want to be the salt, we want to be the light. We want to be the city on the hill. Hallelujah, in Jesus name. Hallelujah, thank you, God. We just thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, thank you, Lord. In this moment, Lord, we just surrender afresh and anew. We just surrender afresh and anew to you, Lord, to your plans and your purposes, your workings in our lives. Hallelujah, okay. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, let's just sing this song together.
2: In the crushing, in the pressing, I pray.
0: powerful song. Amen. Song basically is my sermon. Amen. God wants to do something great. Amen. Praise God. Can you just as you're standing there one more time, just lift your hand up and just say, Lord, I just surrender everything to you. You Just surrender everything, Lord. Hold nothing back. Nothing back. Hold nothing back, Lord. I surrender everything to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, I just pray for your people right now. I pray for their protection. I pray, God, that your glory would rest upon them in a new and greater way than they've ever experienced before. Hallelujah. I just thank you, Lord. You said in your word that we go from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. And, Lord, we're ready now for another dimension of your glory, your presence, of your working, of your signs, of your wonders, Lord. We're we're ready for another level, another degree of your glory. Hallelujah. To break out in this place. To break out in everyone's life. To break out in everyone's family, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, God. Hallelujah. We will not settle. We're not settlers, Lord. We're going to pioneer. We're going to move forward. We're going to go to greater heights. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. We're going to conquer new land. Hallelujah. We're going to do exploits in His name. Hallelujah. We're going to take more ground. Hallelujah. We're going to see demons tremble. We're going to see the sick heal. We're going to see prophecy. We're going to see miracles. Hallelujah. We're going to see a greater degree of your glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to be a demonstration of salt and light in this world. Hallelujah. We are going to live to please you, Lord. We're going to live to please you, Lord, in everything. We just thank you, God. Thank you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. How many can agree with that? Amen. Well, everybody, we're so glad that you came and joined us today. Thank you for watching online, those that watched online and were part of our service. We don't have any refreshments or anything, but we just love you and pray that you have a great week. God bless you, everybody. You're free to go.